Church. If you're watching online, uh, welcome uh, to all the folks in our community. Still watching online, wherever you are, uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you have a Bible, why don't you grab it? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, continuing kind of a, a look at some of the madness and chaos in the world, in particular how the church is to continue to live and thrive in a culture, what we talked about last week, that seems to be drunken in flames. And so we continue to see this escalate every week, and yet the call of the church is still to be the church. The call of the church is still to continue to live counterculture in that the culture is responding to a lot of the issues one way, but how does the church respond to it? So I got this, uh, got this passage, kind of a lengthy passage that I want us to go through, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to pray and we'll see what the Lord does in our hearts this morning. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to pick it up in verse 21. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, that's half of you. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? Oh, I'm so sorry. That was my fault. I forgot to dismiss the children. All right, thanks for taking care of that. So, so sorry about that. If you're a kid, you were dismissed 15 minutes ago. Let me start back over, okay? Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And in Jesus' fashion, Jesus lays out this long parable in his answer. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him just a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Well, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what he had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported this to the master, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. You should not, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailer's until he should pay off his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to you, to every one of you. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart, perhaps we should 
pray and ask God to help us this morning with this difficult text. God, I am acutely aware of the people in this room who vary from different spectrums and different ideas. So I am trusting in your sovereignty to give me the words to say as we find ourselves in a culture that keeps canceling everything, how, God, should the church respond? We find it here in your word. And perhaps somebody has been walking or or has walked in this room looking for the word from the heavens. I thank you that that just happened. You just spoke. So may your word sanctify us and grow us in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus in this text is giving us, as Jesus has been doing throughout the Gospels, this new way of life, this counterculture way of living. Here's what the world looks like. Here's how the world acts. But this is not how followers of Jesus respond. And I think Jesus addresses an issue that's in our culture. And the issue is, what do we do when someone has wronged you? Do we respond how culture responds? The culture responds with this famous thing that is lit up like wildfire this, this, this year. And culture responds with just canceling you. Not only canceling you, but wanting to ruin your life. That's how the world responds when they've been wronged. When they've been wronged, they cancel you. But what about the church? What about people within the church when someone within our own body wrongs you? And if you hadn't been wronged yet, then stick around. It'll happen. And I don't say that gleefully like, ha, 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 you've been wronged. I'm just saying we're people. I'll wrong you. Judson will wrong you. Willie will wrong you. Willie probably wronged you a lot more than the average person. You will wrong yourself. That's just who we are. How do we respond? Jesus doesn't look at you and say, you've been wronged, cancel. This reminds me, in fact, this is like, let me contrast this with the spirit of our age, of the things that are happening in our world. I would never imply that you watch Dave Chappelle, but he released this new, uh, over the pandemic, he had a few things come out, they were I cannot deny or confirm they were good. (laughs) But we'll let this sermon illustration speak for itself. He did a bit where he was doing impressions. And they were very silly. Some of them were aggressive, as he is Dave Chappelle. And there was one point where he looked at the audience. It gets really tense. and, And he asked them, he said, okay, guess who I'm pretending to be? Now, uh, if I catch you ever doing anything wrong, it don't matter if it was from something you did 20 years ago or if it's something you're going to do in the future. If I ever catch you doing this, I'll never watch your show again, and I will ruin your life. And so Dave Chappelle says, so guess who I am? And the crowd just kind of just hear this murmur going on. Until somebody gets the guts to say, you're Trump! And Dave Chappelle says, wrong! 
I'm making fun of you. Because you're just waiting for me to trip up. You're just waiting for me to do one thing or say one thing. And then all you're wanting to do, you're going to make your life about ruining my life. Prophet Chappelle got it right. (laughs) When a public figure sins, does something they shouldn't have said, or it is culture that begins has begun this movement that just wants to cancel them. And I'm not saying there are some things in our culture that need to be canceled because there are. I'm just suggesting to you that perhaps this wave that we're in of cancel culture has a chance of creeping up into the church. And if we're not careful, when someone sins against us or or when someone says something wrong or you see something that you don't agree with, we'll become just like cancel culture. But... Jesus presents to us this new way of life. How are we to respond? In an era where everything is being canceled from small things to big things, what's the church's response to that? We're continuing to live counterculture. Now, dictionary.com defines counterculture as the practice of withdrawing support or canceling public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive considered objectionable or offensive how do we continue to live in this counterculture world that Christ has called all of us if you are a believer into in a world that's drunken in flames and in a world that wants to cancel everything Jesus gives us a little bit of insight into this counterculture way of life for the church Peter asked him, Lord, how often my brother going to sin against me and I forgive him? If he sins against me, how many times do I need to forgive him? Now, uh, key, key word in this, in this text here, sin. It's something that you and I <laughs> were born into, this, this idea that we are sinners And there's no way of escaping it unless Christ saves you from you being this sinful person. And this sin that Peter is suggesting is is this violation of the moral law of God and it is a violation of anything that is counter to the way of Christ and our triune God. That's what sin is. It's not opinions, it's not, well, how often do I got to forgive somebody uh, if they say something that kind of jarred me a little bit? No, this is a, an, an offense against God. How many times do I forgive them? Now, here's the reality that we kind of got to step into a little bit. And this is, maybe this is Matthew a little bit, but I, I just want to set this up for us as we kind of talk through this sin and and I would suggest there there is this one idea that can probably prevent a lot of this sin from happening where we have to go back to this idea of forgiveness 
It's all about expectations, right? So, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about me. Hello, my name is Matthew. How you doing? Good to see you. I, I love people. Well, that's true. I love people. Some of them you just kind of have to tolerate, you know. You know that person. You may be sitting by that person, but don't look at them. I love God, yeah, that you know of, right? <laughs> I, I love God. I love the triune God. Like, I've given my, devoted my life to him. I love the word of God. I love poking at people in both good and probably unhealthy ways at times. I do that to my children. Shouldn't do it. I love seeing people just transformed by the power of the gospel. I mean, that's just like, that gives me energy. I love that. Passionate about the call that God has given our church, the call that God has given me. But let me tell you something about me. I am terrible at being God. Thank you. I mean, really, the church should have amen that. Let me give you a little bit more insight into this. Uh, probably good news flash a lot of us need. You're terrible at being God. Your mama's terrible at being God. Your daddy's terrible at being God. Your wife, your spouse, the boo-boo you trying to hook up with, your child, your boss, your employees, everyone. So why for the life of me would we place unrealistic expectations on people as if they're going to be the savior of our life? Stick around with me for a few minutes. I'll quickly disappoint you, may offend you. And it's not just because I'm an offensive person. I have foot and mouth syndrome. I don't gloat about it. I'm working at it. It's called sanctification. But we're all terrible of being God. So I don't know why we would place unrealistic, unhealthy expectations. And really, if we could just stop that, then that would be um, a really breakthrough for, for, for all of us where we wouldn't need this idea of unforgiveness because we wouldn't disappoint you. Your spouse wouldn't disappoint you all the time. So you wouldn't be so hurt. Culture also calls that being butt hurt, but that's probably inappropriate. <laughs> so what is forgiveness? There I go, see? I probably offended you. What is forgiveness? That's the question. Jesus says, well, here's the key. What do I do? Do I forgive them? Jesus says, forgive them. And then he gives us this long story that we will get into in just a moment. What does it mean to forgive? That's, that's the question. What is this idea that Jesus is presenting to us? The biblical way, the counterculture way that the Bible would present to you and I. What does that forgiveness look like in our life? Well, first, unforgiveness. It's good to look at unforgiveness first. It's one of the deadliest threats, I think, that, that is being posed in this church, in every church, in your house, at your school, wherever. And it goes against our witness to the community that we live in. So when we say forgive, 
What, is that, what does that look like? It, well, it looks like that it's a, a true release from hurt and unforgiveness. That's what forgiveness is, a true release. It's when you can honestly wish someone well. When you can honestly pray for someone. I got some, some work to do. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you put yourself back into the same situation that you've been hurt in. So let me throw this little caveat in there. At what point does forgiveness look like enablement? I would never suggest to you that forgiveness looks like, well, if you've been physically harmed or continuously being verbally harmed, well, you just go back. I would never suggest that. That's, that's madness, actually. What do you do when someone continues to wrong you? What, what about your, your spouse when they continue to wrong you? If the frying pan didn't work, what do you do? Some of y'all laughing, but y'all know y'all been thinking it. If, if it is a spouse, use the frying pan. Don't, you can't walk away from your spouse unless it's, that's another topic. But what do you do when someone continues to wrong you? When you have genuinely forgiven them, when you really can look at that person with forgiveness, what do you do, though? Somebody keeps up on in your life, constant, divisive. Well, Titus 3 gives us a little insight. Pastor Titus tells us, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing else to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self Condemned. So don't be stressed either if you aren't wishing your enemy well. Don't be stressed if you aren't praying for that person yet. Like, listen, this is a long process, the process of forgiveness. And what does forgiveness look like? Now, in our house, we have this thing. And it mainly goes with our children. Well, it goes a lot for me. And my, it goes a lot for me, too. When one of our kids wrong each other, or if I wrong Marinda, which is most of the time the case, or if Jude wrongs Nora, which is all the cases in the world. So here's what we do in our house. We make that person go to them and apologize. And here's what I do not tolerate in my house. For that person who's been offended to say, it's okay. Because it's not okay. Why would the person have to apologize if it's okay? okay? It's not okay. Listen, Christ forgave you and I from our sins. What would be the response? Oh, it was okay. It was okay. It's okay. You didn't, you didn't mean to sin. No, he bled and died. You think Jesus would respond to us and, and say, well, it's okay. You didn't mean to sin. No, he went to the cross on your behalf so behold the gospel in this it wasn't okay for you to continue in your sin he died in your place so maybe you ought to introduce that into your house maybe you ought to introduce that into your life listen the offense is not okay 
It's wrong. It's a sin. But you've got to forgive. And we have a cancel culture that does not value this idea of forgiveness. But forgiveness is like the definitive mark, right? In a body, in a culture of, of community of believers. Like that's what we're known for. We've been forgiven. We too are to reciprocate that forgiveness out to others. That's the church. In so much that the world, those cancel culture jokers out there should look at the church and see how they're doing it and be awed by that. Instead of this idea where, if you don't believe me, I'll just cancel you. So why should we forgive? That's another question before I get more into this parable of Jesus here. Why should we forgive? I think that's an important question because I don't think forgiveness should be ignored. I think a lot of times, especially some guys in the room, like for my, myself, I will try to internalize, compartmentalize things. I'll try to keep things to myself. I mean, that's exactly what I do. And, and Marina calls me on it every time. I'll try to just keep it to myself. Now, here's what happens for me. Now, I'm not saying this is what happens for you. When that happens, over time, and maybe my kids can attest to this. I'm not asking them to say amen to this. But over time, as I begin to just kind of just compartmentalize all of the issues I got going on, all the offenses that I've got going on, eventually I'll explode in a big rage. Now, who does that help? got a lot of conflict avoid avoiders here and some of you think well I'll just remove myself from the situation I'll just get another marriage I'll just get a new relationship with a new friend I'll just um, I'll get a new job oh I've been hurt at that church well I'll just leave church I'll find another church let me, let me ask you this alright real talk Where are you going where there won't be sin? Here's a reality check for you all. You ready for this? And this will preach. May make a charismatic and a fit right now. Wherever you go, guess who's there? You are. It's true. I thought that'd be a better amen, but that's okay. And that, was, that was good preaching, but... Thank you, Willie. So Peter came up to him and he says, Lord, how often? And here's this thing. Like, is there this clause now that it's seven times? I wish there was. How often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. And it was law for someone to just be three times. It's not implied that Peter knew this, but I'm sure he did. In fact, Peter was going an extra mile. Seven? But Jesus is saying, you forgive them infinitely. Because in the end, you, you have to look to Jesus and how he forgave us with this infinite love. Like, he gave it to you. You weren't even asking for it. Like, you were the offender to him 
you didn't have the capabilities to even go to him and ask for forgiveness. He just came to you and said, you're my beloved. I forgive you. How powerful is the gospel? So why do we struggle to forgive? Because we're going to get in this parable and it's going to be very weird, this guy. And it's like this, this parable was written today. Because it's easier to cancel someone, right? And I get that it's hard, but, but why? Why is it so hard? I, I think a few things. Like sometimes it, it just inside of us, like we just want vengeance. Am I the only one? Like I want to see that person who's wronged me fail. And sometimes I just want to see them fail miserably and fail to the point where they ain't getting up. Am I talking to the righteous crowd this morning? I suppose I am. <laughs> Perhaps you're just arrogant and self-righteous. Well, I'm justified at my unforgiveness because I would have never done that. Oh, you high and holy priest, you. Maybe you can't forgive because you just enjoy being the victim. I just want everybody to feel sorry for me and pity me. <laughs> I've been wrong so bad. Cry me a river. But look at this parable, because I think this is going to be indicative of the reason why we cannot receive and give forgiveness. Think about this parable for a second. This is jacked up, y'all. And it seems like this was written, something you'd watch on the news. The servant owed 10,000 talents, right? Let's, let's break this down in 2020. That's roughly 7 billion. God, I feel like Donald Trump. Billions and billions. That's it. Billions of dollars. It's a lot. He works off one talent in one year. Guess what? You got 999 more years to work it off. So let's just say for a minute, this guy was in debt for eternity. Would have never been able to pay it off. And look how merciful and gracious this master was towards him. He pleaded for his life. He's like, I promise you, I'll do whatever I can. I just want this wiped off. Please cancel my debt. And the master had pity on him. And what did he do? Forgave him. And then, this guy, what's the first thing he does? Goes out to find one of his servants that owes him $100. Maybe in today's world, it'd be like maybe four months worth of wage. Not a 1,000. Maybe just four. Maybe. So he finds him, wants his money. Guy's like, I ain't got no money. What's he do? Pounds him, boy, in the face. It's like something you watch on TV right now. What does he do? He just cancels him. 
It's just like cancel culture. You can't give me what I want, then I'll cancel you, and I'll throw you in prison, and I will ruin your life. Now, remember, what just happened here? Like this guy just received an immeasurable, infinite amount of forgiveness. And here's the problem where you and I find ourselves in. A lot of us want the forgiveness, but the moment someone wrongs us, we will seek out justice for ourselves until we feel like we've been paid back. Here's what Jesus just did for the folks who were listening back in 30-something A.D. and to the folks who are listening today in 2020. He just opened up your heart and exposed you as the thief. You aren't the master. You are the thief who thinks you're owed something, who thinks that everybody has got to give you what you want, who puts everybody into your debt, and until you say, this is enough. Like, you set the measure of forgiveness. How unjust and wicked that is. In fact, that's what Jesus says. This man is wicked. And my fear, my growing fear, is that as I watch this unfold on, in our culture today, is that God help us not let that leak into the church. Amen. Where as soon as somebody offends you, you just write them off. Where as soon as someone sins against you, you write them off. They may say something you didn't like. You leave. That's culture way of living. That's cancel culture. That's not gospel culture. It's not what Christ has called you into. Jesus is giving us an incredible reality and a beautiful picture of the gospel and a call for repentance. How much has the Father forgiven you and you won't forgive others? I've got this thing that I think about. It's the idea that there's not a soul that is not worth keeping unforgiveness. Because I'm going to just be straight with you. Ain't nobody worth going to hell over. I, I ain't going there. I ain't going there for you. I ain't going there for nobody. Here's what Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and 15 for if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will you forgive neither will your father forgive your trespasses let me say this one more time ain't no soul worth going to hell over and these are some deep words from Jesus red letters y'all It is a realization that Christ Jesus, for those of us who are Christians, he has forgiven you. He has wiped your slate. He has canceled your debt. When we could see that, like we have no other choice but to extend this forgiveness to others. We have to be a better and a picture to the culture 
this is how you do things. I'm not suggesting that make the world like the church. That never works out well. I'm just suggesting that this is the church. This is how we respond. And it should bleed out into our community. God help us to forgive 